you can't give up the ball, you can't miss tackles, you can't step out of bounds, you can't have penalties, you can't field punts on the one-yard line. Some of you wonder why you don't play and start. Because you won't tackle on an interception. Because you don't know who to block. So you... <laughs> All right, welcome back. Uh, great timing. We uh, sports intoxication <laughs> uh, is back after uh, another lengthy layoff, which is kind of our thing, and it's why you love this podcast um, because sometimes we're here for you, sometimes we're not. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. There's there's been you know. Um, some ins, some outs, some ups, some downs. There's, there's just been a lot of stuff. But surprisingly, uh, only one, uh, one additional birth, which is saying something for the most fertile podcast. Uh one additional birth since the last podcast, but yes, three in the last year and a half. True, which keeps our numbers up. Um, yes, for tagline uh cincinnati's most fertile podcast i am joined by fellow sports and talks hosts brian chase hello hello and matt bassler yeah i'm here who is yeah having how this goes we got new new studio again (laughs) just having some (laughs) connectivity issues uh PC Apparently the Wi-Fi better. in Montgomery is not very good. I don't know, Brian. <laughs> you well, just gotta, you just gotta have your house catch on fire, remodel your basement so that you're sitting right under your router mat. That's that's right. the uh, solution. Hold on, hold on, I'll be there in about two minutes. That's option one, and then uh, option two would be that we just broke a little news that Matt is moving again. Uh, Already moved. Already. So, so, yeah, it's been a while since we we chatted and we got together. There's been, we were talking about a few things before we uh, started recording here. There's been some happenings. The the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Well, we recorded since then, but we didn't really talk about that. I feel like we were just on a Xavier rant. Because they sucked. Um, Travis Steele got fired. Sean Miller got hired. He's back at Xavier. Uh, yeah. The Reds broke here first, by the way. Yeah, about six, six years, four years ago. Rap music at practice. <laughs> rap, not bad. Rap music at practice, bad. Uh, half court shots at practice, bad. Yeah, uh, it's just not going to get it done. And no. then um, the Reds quit trying, but they still. The rules of Major League Baseball state that teams are not relegated. Like in the English Premier League, they're still technically a Major League Baseball team. Hey, um, but don't worry. They have the fourth best farm system, according to MLB Pipeline. So whatever the fuck that means. Uh, this is actually kind of exciting if you're me and into uh, the perpetual nature of baseball that it's not this year. It's next year. And then next I used year. to get excited about that, but after 20 years of next year, it just gets old, you know? Yeah. It's going to be good to have guys to trade in five years when they continue to be bad. Mm-hmm. I am the rat that keeps going back to the cheese and getting shocked in this scenario. Which, well, 
It eventually paid off for us with the Bengals. Yeah, exactly. So watch your mouth. You know, they're the for for a long time the Bengals were the the lesser of the two franchises when it came to success. Postseason success, they both had <laughs> quite a long drought, which the Bengals broke last year, um, and and the Bengals are just fucking awesome now i mean they're like i mean the Bengals have white helmets this year what else can you ask for yeah and they have a ring of honor they have a fucking bubble coming yeah like all the stadium name yeah the the paycor stadium the alta fiber gate yeah there's big stuff happening yeah down on the banks of the ohio river at Paycor. Paycor yeah. Stadium. On Not... the west end of downtown. Not on the east side of downtown. All west end. Front. Speaking of the west end, FC Cincinnati is also a little more interesting this year. They draw every single game. Yeah. Brian and I are actually going to be attending this weekend's Tilt Against the Crew. We'll be there uh, first, first game. So looking forward that... to watching a nice tie. It should be a draw. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Zero zero is that what we're hoping for? Nil nil, Brian. That's the correct. Oh. Uh, Seriously, like there, make us a, look like we don't know anything about soccer. You know what? I will be much more educated come the end of Saturday night, That's depending true. on what time we get downtown. He's not going to remember any of it Sunday morning, <laughs> <laughs> as it should be, uh, with a proper footy match. See. That's the verbiage there. Uh, so, well, let's talk about uh, the Bengals because really, you know, they're two weeks away from the season opener, two and a half weeks. Uh, 16 days, right? The the the, the Steelers, the, the hated uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And it sounds like Mitchell Trubisky. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on – I, I, we don't need to dig into the last, you know, since we podcasted or since we podcasted last before that. Let's just go forward and act as though we do this on a regular basis. Brian, you want to lead us off? Actually, let Matt lead us off because we got you right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's exciting. Um, my immediate thoughts are for Joe Burrow to get through the next three days without being touched by Aaron Donald or anyone else on the Rams um, these three days just kind of scare me with how these practices have been going across the league but um, you know take that out the sky's the limit um, it's amazing saying that based on the conversations that we were having a year ago with with Paul when he was on around this time and basically saying you know Zach doesn't win the Minnesota Chicago etc games he's gonna be on the hot seat well it's kind of funny how things change in a year. So, um, you know, they got all the talent in the world, revamped offensive line. Uh, it's going to be fun. Sounds like Jamar Chase is in better form than he was last season. So I think leveled up, as the kids say. It's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, big thing is injuries. They were really clean in that department last year. 
you know, if they have that same type of, type of luck again, I, I don't really see any reason that they should not be a playoff team at worst. You know, um, I think that has to be, you know, worst case scenario going into this year is you make the playoffs and lose in the first round. I, I like that. I agree with that again, uh, considering relative health. And the area that I would talk about relative health being important would be it appears offensive line depth is questionable still, but the front guys are, should be on paper way, 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 way better. That's a lot of ways. Um, but cause they were bad last year. And, um, and then I would also say, what's, uh, I'd also say probably, Maybe the secondary and outside corners. And then I'd probably say receiver isn't especially deep, but other than that, they do have some depth. I think linebacker at safety with Dax Hill, um, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, before I rant too much, Brian, your thoughts on the 2022 Cincinnati Bengals. I guess the thing that is just amazing to me is like, have we ever been as excited about a Bengals season as, as this one coming up? Because even when they were good 11 through 15 and we thought, okay, maybe they could actually do something. You always had the caveat of Matt's guy, Andy Dalton. It's like, how far can, can he take them? (laughs) I know. Uh, But with this team, it's like, uh, yeah, on paper. Okay. Maybe they don't have the most depth, but they they look better in every position than I think than they were last year. I mean, where where can you argue that they've gotten worse? Most of their players are young, getting better. Maybe the only exceptions would be okay. Von Bell is maybe I don't know. Maybe he's getting a little up there. Maybe uh, you know Hubbard. But you've got a bunch of young guys on the D line. Some of them are new this year. Some of them like Osai didn't play last year, even though he flashed. I think your linebacker room, the health, if it's improved from last year, like those guys are ascending, especially Logan Wilson. Like, man, I can't wait to see what he looks like this year. Um, and the outside corner, I, I hear you, Sox, but I also think Dax Hill, I mean, I think they can play him wherever in the secondary. So I'm interested to see how uh, I think Jay referred to him as the mad scientist. So I'm interested to hear – or see how Dax Hill gets used this year. But I don't know. I The thing that just aggravates me, and I'm interested to see how the Bengals respond to it, is the seeming lack of disrespect, or lack of respect, I should say, compared to the other teams in the AFC. I, I get that Denver went out and got Russell Wilson. I get that the Ravens were hurt a lot last year. I get that the Bills got better. I get that the Chargers got better. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, and they beat the quote-unquote unbeatable Chiefs twice in the final five weeks of the year. Like, what more do you want to see from Joe Burrow and this team? And that was without an offensive line. And on the road at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship. Yeah. like After being so, down huge uh, in the first half. I don't know. The, the thing I don't get is Ravens, okay, they got healthy. I'm not saying that the Ravens and Bengals won't be tight this year, but like, the Bengals kicked the shit out of them before they were unhealthy. So, like, 
I just don't buy that the Ravens are much better than the Bengals. And really, I don't buy that anybody in the AFC is much better than the Bengals. I I agree with you about the Ravens. I agree with you about uh, – I would also say the Chiefs got worse. Um, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster to replace Tyreek Hill, which those things aren't even on paper. Um, I in the Broncos got better and the Raiders got better with Devontae Adams. But what you what you mentioned about the Ravens and what you mentioned about the Broncos leads me to a quick question. I think this will be a really quick exercise, but one of the best podcasts that I think we did in the past of the tens of podcasts that we've done was the one where we talked about Matt's guy, Andy Dalton versus the rest of the league. So doing that same exercise, is there anyone that you'd take over Joe Burrow? Matt? Uh, um, For how long? Just like from here going forward? Let's say, no, because in that exercise we said trying to win next year, this year. Next year? No. I don't think so. Chase? The only person I could potentially say would be Josh Allen, I think. Okay. And that's just due to arm strength and a little bit more mobility in the pocket. See, I would say mobility maybe, but Burrow's pocket feel yeah. is elite. I think it's Tom Brady-esque. No, I would agree. It's very good. Brian? So, Father Time's got again at some point. So, I, I'm I'm going to agree with Matt here. There's not anybody else that I w- would take. But if I was going to take somebody, if I had to say someone other than Joe Burrow, and it was just one year. I don't know how you can take anybody other than Tom Brady. I mean, th- he's got the ability to galvanize the team around him. He's he clearly is a winner, and I think people always compare Burrow to Brady and let's hope that, uh, you know, that comparison rings true over the years, because if it does, I think the Bengals will be good for a long time. Um, but Burrow just brings so much in my opinion, his moxie, his leadership, his accuracy, his knowledge of the offense. Um, and I, I think there's, yeah, I think there's better athletes. There's better arm strength, but like, I don't know. Do you see guys falling in line to get behind Aaron Rodgers? I mean, the guy hasn't won a playoff game in how many years? So he might he might have more natural talent, but no, give me Joe Burrow. I think that one's interesting because, like like you said, the immediate thought went to Brady, and then I think Rodgers is, you know, I mean, he's the defending league MVP, or, or I mean, he's been incredible the last couple of years. He's also getting up there in age, but he's been incredible. But to your point, the leadership, the, I mean, like, I think guys just love playing with Joe and you don't get that sense as much with, uh, AA Ron. And, uh, I would say that AA Ron with Joe's weapons would be pretty scary, but again, I no, I'll take Joe too. I'm with you guys. Now Uh, the, the one question I have though, is if we, let's say, Theoretically, Kansas City beats the Bengals, and we don't have questions about 
because I think Mahomes obviously is great, but I think maybe the questions on Mahomes are, okay, he got a little exposed, it feels like, by Lou in the second half of that AFC game. It was like he didn't know what to do. And I don't know that you've really seen Burrow do that in a, in a while. Because Mahomes clearly has a ton of talent, but I still would take Burrow. I think a lot of people's issues with Mahomes are like his brother and his – is it his wife now or girlfriend? They're annoying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> when I say a lot of people, I mean Matt. Uh <laughs> Man, you're the one that called him annoying. I, I know, but like I knew, I knew your mind was there too. Uh, but no, I mean I agree, and I mean like if you're saying, but here's the here's the beauty of that question and our answers. If you're saying Josh Allen, if you're saying Patrick Mahomes, if you're saying Tom Brady, if you're saying Aaron Rodgers, that's the company that the Bengals quarterback keeps. Now that the us, the fans of this franchise, are now keeping that company. And all due respect to, well, and even that one year when Andy got hurt and didn't play in the playoff game, he was having an MVP-type season. But all due respect to him, the last time that the Bengals could say that they had that type of player was early in Carson Palmer's tenure. But Carson Palmer never got to the level of Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Like, you could dream on it, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, <laughs> that didn't end up going so well. Right. Well, yeah. And not to – I know we're talking about the quarterbacks, but I also just look at those teams and, like, I, I know they had a good receiving trio, but, like, I would take this one in a heartbeat over that. Joe Mixon's better than any running back that that team, those teams had. The defenses, I don't necessarily remember. I know they had Odell Thurman, who was really good, but I don't know. Those defenses were more about retreads. Uh, Delta O'Neal. Delta O'Neal. Yes, that's yeah. a great example. Um, and they drafted well back then too. Jonathan Joseph, Leon Hall were were both good corners. Yeah, that's true. Um, the safety, the, the retreads. Reggie Nelson was a retread. Uh, the running back, Cedric Benson, was a retread. Rudy, Rudy was a originally he was a draft pick. Uh, but, ben Jarvis Green Ellis, I don't remember. That yeah, was after uh, that, wasn't it? Was a, yeah, that was Andy. That was Dalton Andy era. era. Yeah. So. Um, but to to the point of and and I, I I in the long term I think that this this receiving trio will be better in the you know Chad Johnson and TJ and whoever else were pretty freaking good too so I think Jamar Chase could end up being one of the great greats um so that's exciting um. Okay. Well, that that went about as quickly as I thought it would. Matt kind of already touched on this as far as expectations. Brian, you didn't really wrap up your season as far as Matt said. The expectation on the low end is assuming some good health, uh, at least a playoff berth. 
and probably a first round loss is a little bit disappointing. I uh, agree with that. Okay, I think same. A, a playoff a playoff berth is kind of if you don't get a playoff berth, that's really disappointing. I think a first round playoff loss would be disappointing. I think if you get to the divisional round, it's like anything can happen at that point. So um, I think as Burroughs said last year, hey, getting to the divisional round is the standard now. So if they don't reach the standard after a year they went to the Super Bowl, that's going to be disappointing. Absolutely. But I don't think people, you know, talking about, oh, we expect them to get back to the AFC Championship or back to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Like, that's you, – you can't expect that. You can have the best team in football, and it doesn't mean you're going to, you know, get to the Super Bowl and win it. I agree, but I also think that – and this is what we'll find out in the next couple of years. Uh, I think that the Joe Burrow factor of his will to win and his leadership – is something that can be that thing that becomes a consistent. And it's not going to be a Super Bowl every year. Tom Brady's the GOAT. He didn't do that. Um, but it's it's far advancement into the playoffs every year, assuming that you have decent health. And, and I think that that's one of the things that when you look at other quarterbacks that are considered great, some of them lack that consistency you know i mean like perfect like justin example. herbert <laughs> well first of all yeah, yeah that's don't a... don't get me going man oh i'm i am right there with you right but perfect example i was gonna say is you know everybody's talking about the broncos and russell wilson well you know the the seahawks went to two super bowls back to back they should have won two super bowls back years ago yeah but what has happened since then that that russell wilson is the end all be all, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What have you done for me lately? And you know, the whole, uh, that, that I think that Brian, you mentioned this too, when you were talking about the disrespect card, like Bengals aren't getting much love. Justin Herbert is getting a lot of love. The Broncos are getting love. The Raiders are kind of getting loves. The chiefs are the chiefs. Well, don't all those play, teams play each other. So I can promise you that all four teams from that division will not make the playoffs. Um, so one of those teams is going to be out. Three of them might, but, you know, I would kind of tend to question that. And looking at the Bengals division, Steelers, uh, they don't scare me. Uh, they're the Steelers, and so there's always, a you know, that bugaboo with the Bengals, but – Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, not yet. Um, the Browns don't have Deshaun Watson. For I said it like they say it. The Browns don't have Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games. Not the Browns. Uh, the And then the Ravens, like you mentioned, Brian, I think you said it. You know, the Bengals – Boat race the Ravens twice, one of which Lamar Jackson played. Um, so tell me your guys' thoughts on. I mean, I may have wrapped, but like, tell me your thoughts on the division. And Matt, go ahead. All right. Um, what is it? Mo was on. Um, hear that 
Bengal or hear that podcast ground. I think it was last week, and it, he said something. You know, is the AFC North really that good? And it was a long conversation about that. And I think this year, the answer, at least preseason, is is no. I mean, there's really two teams that can make the playoffs. I think I don't think Cleveland can or will, given. They're going to be starting, it seems like, Jacoby Brissett for the first 11 games. Now, granted, the NFL gave them a gift of a schedule to start the year in on paper. Um, and then Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. They'll probably finish 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, but that's not going to be good enough to get in the AFC. So, you know, if you're the Bengals, come out week one, drop the hammer on Pittsburgh and just say, you know, that's the game. Like that game is going to be really interesting to me. Bengals coming off the Super Bowl, coming off beating the Steelers handily both times last year. Pittsburgh coming in, new quarterback, but they still got Tomlin. They still got guys that that do know how to win. And I, what Tomlin's never had a losing record, right, in his twelve years or whatever he's been there. Correct. So, Najee Harris was really good for them last year, and then obviously T.J. Watts a menace. They still have some guys on the D-line. But you come out and just just pummel. Just set the tone for the season right there, and you can really, you know, get off and running. I mean, that game, I know it's week one, but I think it's a really important game because you obviously don't want to lose a home game. You don't want to lose a home division game, and you don't want to lose a home division game to the Steelers in a year that they're starting Kenny Pickett. So, you know, just come out and just set the tone. Um I would. I think you're probably going to need to get to ten and seven again to win the division, like they did last year. At worst, just with how good the AFC is, and um, and Bengals having the toughest schedule, you'd probably like them to see you to get to eleven and six to get that home playoff game. Uh, I think that's entirely doable. Um, but yeah, I mean the North. That's going to be. They're going to be close. You know. It's, I don't know, for some reason, Cleveland always seems to give the Bengals trouble, well, at least Baker did. It seemed like uh, he's not there anymore, obviously. So it'll be interesting, but I think it's going to be a two-team race, and hopefully the Bengals wind up on top. But I expect Baltimore and Cincinnati to be kind of fighting that out neck and neck all year with Pittsburgh coming in third and the Browns. The Browns. 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 My father-in-law's a Browns fan. Or Brown. Like, I don't know. They, they say a weird, like, I say they. Maybe it's just him. But I know I think they all do it. Like, uh, go ahead, Brian. Uh, I So, I generally agree. I think this year it's a two-team race. I think what will be interesting is if you give the, the Browns a full year of Deshaun Watson and Maybe the Steelers figure out their quarterback situation this year, and maybe Kenny Pickett is something. Um, you know, with their defense, I think they they would be a force. So, I I do think it could be next year one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive division. But this year, I think the Deshaun Watson suspension and the fact that uh, you know Pittsburgh, I think, is hoping that Kenny Pickett is the guy. You know, you're probably not gonna, you're not gonna have a ton of success in this division with a rookie quarterback. Maybe after he goes through the division, 
sees everybody twice, has a better idea what to expect next year. Um, but yeah, I think certainly not Bengals and Ravens. Hopefully not, but you never know. The other thing is, you know, the Bengals have they're going to have decisions to make this year. Um, I mean, other than Jesse Bates, okay, maybe they lose Von Bell, but after next year, then they've got a lot of decisions to make. So I think this is the year to strike. Hopefully they can do that win the division again. I think if they get a home playoff game, um, they can at least make it the divisional round, but we'll see. I guess that's why they play the games, right? New, if you win your division now with the playoffs, you get a home playoff game. Seven yes. teams make the playoffs, one by all the division winners get the, the home playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys as far as the, you know, I mean, third and fourth. I could see the Steelers being the last place team in this division. I think that one of the nice things for the Browns, if they, with Jacoby Brissett, is that they hand the ball off a lot and they still have those two good backs and a good offensive line. They have Amari Cooper and, I mean, nobody else really uh, receiving-wise. But, yeah, uh, I the, the Steelers, I think they have some really good pieces, but none of it, it all depends on the quarterback and Trubisky. And the, Let me the, ask you guys this. Yeah. On, on the Ravens, like everybody talks about the Ravens, and I know they're good. But when I – maybe it's just I don't know their skill players that well because everybody was hurt last year. You got Dobbins and whoever their second – is it Bateman, their second-year receiver. Mm-hmm. But I, when I look around, I, I certainly would take the Bengals' skill position players over theirs. I think I would take the Browns' skill position players over theirs. And the Steelers – I'd probably take the Steelers' skill position players over them, too. Maybe I just am disrespecting the Ravens, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I When I actually sit down and think about it, I'm like, okay, you've got Lamar. You generally think you've got a good offensive line and a good defense, but, like, skill positions honestly, count for the something. The only other person that I can – J.K. Dobbins is a running back, and they have a good tight end, but I forget his name. Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark Andrews. Okay. And then they lost Hollywood Brown, right? He's the Arizona. Yep. And who are their other – I honestly don't know who are their other wide receivers are. I couldn't tell you. They're a team that has struggled with the wide receiver position since Steve Smith. Since they moved from Cleveland? Well, like Steve Smith played there late in his career. I, I mean, like I, I'm really kind of grasping here, like – Hollywood Brown was a good deep threat, but he wasn't, you know, a, like a total guy that you completely were worried about. Um, I agree. I, I And I – the Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, that, he's a good player. Chase Claypool's a good player. Uh, obviously, the Pickens kid from Georgia. Yeah, Najee Harris is a good running back. The Browns have the two running backs, the, the Mari Cooper – uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, David and Joku. The yeah, I, I know, I, but that's always been the thing about the Ravens, especially since Jamar or Lamar's been there. Is it's been 
some guys, and then Lamar takes off and does some spectacular stuff. But to give credit, because we give Matt a lot of crap about uh, his Andy Dalton takes, but when we did that podcast about other quarterbacks a few years ago, Matt's been down on Lamar Jackson for, I mean, since I can remember. And stinks. Stinks. <laughs> and he that's a, stink, it's a former league MVP, but and Matt, you can tell me what what your opinion of Lamar Jackson is because he just isn't that accurate of a passer, or because he has so much run game run, running facet to his game that he's going to get hurt. Like what what? Well, I think what and you know my. If you force him to throw, make decisions in the pocket, it seems to me, and again, this is pure conjecture. I'm not in any way an expert on this, but it just seems to me like he struggles with some decision-making on, and not even decision-making, but making accurate throws under pressure or... Tight windows, yeah. Tight windows. um, And, you know, I think that what the Bengals have done with um and I think you sh- you saw it in the in the Chiefs games too when you take away the option to run for Mahomes or Jackson which they basically did in all four of those games last year there was a couple times that Mahomes got out there was a couple times that Jackson got out but the big difference that I see that the Bengals have done is with the linebackers and they have the athletic linebackers now that can kind of help curtail the running of a Lamar or a Mahomes. And I just feel like when you make him make decisions back there and make accurate throws, I mean, he's not a Joe Burrow. He's not a Josh Allen that he's going to, he can make some good throws, but he's not making the quick decisions. It seems like. And so um, I feel like that's what you need to be, to be a complete, passer quarterback in this league and again this is from no experience but it's just you know he won the MVP because he ran for whatever he ran for and yeah he, he had a great year throwing the ball too but when you when you can take away the option to run and make him one dimensional you know it's a completely different ballgame well, does he and have he a win in the playoffs yet? He won one, right? He beat – he won two years ago. They, they Did he beat Tennessee? The, uh, t- Titans, I believe. Okay, yeah. Okay. But to your point, like the Chargers, the beat him with a game plan to stop him from running. And when you talk about the linebackers, the athletic linebackers with the Bengals, imagine Dax Hill uh, spying a quarterback. They, a guy that has the speed to keep up with – a lot of people on the football field. The Bengals are going to use him in an interesting way, um, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, it's also now, let me play. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Let me play devil's advocate here for a minute because I do think Jackson's a good quarterback. I think does he have his shortcomings? Sure, but I wonder how much of his ability to sit back and pick people apart in the pocket is the fact that Baltimore hasn't had receivers that can create space in years. I mean, yeah. think about. Zach Taylor's first year when Andy Dalton was starting. I'm not, you know, Andy Dalton is a 
is a quality NFL starting quarterback. And he looked awful. And and why did he look awful? Because he had no receivers that could get any separation. Sure. I mean, I don't think it's fair to compare Lamar necessarily, you know, his pocket presence and what he does back there to some of these other quarterbacks. When you look at the weapons they have compared to what he has. But, I would agree with that, Brian. But like he's talked about, like he's a top three quarterback in the NFL, and he's just I, not. I think he was before he was hurt this year. I don't think he is right now. Well, he really, he's top, he's... like he's a top. No, 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 no. Twelve. He's not talked about top three. I mean, you turn on ESPN. What articles? What top articles five, are you top reading? Five, top five. Top five. Not top three. I mean, he's he's he's. He's I turned down Ky- Kyler Murray money. And like he's turned down the the similar contract to Kyler Murray. So he thinks he's in that realm. The thing about Kyler Murray is there's still there's a lot more to unlock, I think, because Lamar Jackson's been in the league what, two years longer? Three years longer than Kyler yeah, Murray. Um so no, I, I when I you say top one, what's that? Wasn't Kyler Murray the first pick in 2019? And I think Lamar was picked in 2018. Somebody Google. Get the Google machine up. I think Kyler Murray just got his deal on the in the first year that he's able to negotiate contract extension, which is after three years. And I think Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson, NFL Draft 2018, round one, pick 32. And I know Joe Burrow was 2020, so, yeah, only one year difference. Okay. Well, uh, I guess – I would take Lamar in a heartbeat over Kyler Murray. I wouldn't. I'd take Kyler Murray. Sure. Kyler Murray seems like a prima donna to me. Well, I mean, who's who signed their contract and who wants more than Kyler Murray? So who who's the prima donna? You got a point there, but I'm still picking <laughs> Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously, everybody tuned in to hear us talk about Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I think I agree. We we started on this about the division, and uh, I. I you know, I think that's that's kind of we've kind of wrapped that up. I think the Bengals should be the cream of the crop in the division, and I think something that's not being talked about. The Bengals, Mo Eggers talked about this a lot, is the Bengals' run to the Super Bowl last year was often considered fortunate, and a lot some of the metrics talk about their fortune in the idea that, well, they came up with an interception against the Titans and they came up with an interception against the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, But, A, that's defense making plays. B, I think this defense is going to be really good again because of Trey Hendrickson, because of Sam Hubbard, because of DJ Reader, because of – you know, the guys on the outside, Cheeto had a great year. And I think that because Joe Burrow is such a big story and was last year and because Jamar Chase was such a big story last year, I think the defense was often overlooked. 
And I think their pass rush got deeper this year. I think they for sure know, get a side back. Some of the young guys get a year under their belt. They brought a few rookies in. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think the the defense should be good again. It's going to be important for B.J. Hill to have the same type of year he did last year without being the second guy. Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice if Carter or some combination of Osai and Hubbard, who they like to move inside sometimes, if they can get some production from the spot that B.J. Hill was last year, the the, the number two, three technique guy, um, mm-hmm. that'd be huge because – that combination of Ogan Joby and BJ Hill last year was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, anything else to talk about? Well, regarding the Bengals, there we do have some questions from listeners. Well, what's it? What's it take to get the one seed in the AFC West and the AFC? I twelve, twelve, thirteen. 13 I think it's going to four. I, I think, think the it's going to. The Bills are going to get yeah. thirteen and four. It's going to take thirteen or fourteen, probably. I think the Bills get to at least thirteen. So uh, the Bills I don't are, think the Bengals are getting to fourteen. But a two seed seems like it's pretty reachable with the the West canceling everybody out. If the West is as good as people say they are, I I could still see Kansas City just kind of running away with it. And then, uh, I mean, any, we haven't even mentioned the South. Matt Ryan plays for the Colts now. Uh, yeah, that Matt Ryan. Uh, the Colts, the Texans suck. The Jags, who knows? Year two of Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer is no longer the coach there. I think they're all thankful for that. Um, and the Titans, or the Titans, they hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and Tannehill's Whatever. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be the Titans again. I think that'll be a one playoff division. The Colts will choke away. Okay. Yeah, but they don't scare you. Nobody, nobody no. from that. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, but I was saying we have some questions from some listeners, but we can wrap. We can get to those at the end. Is there anything? If we switch topics here and we talk about a little bit about Xavier, which we're months away from the start of the season, but there have been some happenings. Do we want to spend a few minutes talking about what we haven't talked about because we haven't podcasted in a while or. Talks, it's your show. We're just here to, to, you know, take your brilliant ideas and discuss. It's very, it's very much not my show. Uh, but speaking of. You guys want to talk about the live golf tour. I, I don't know enough about it to talk about <laughs> it. I would actually love to hear what you think about it. But speaking of of topic, what's everybody drinking tonight? Because that's something we do on this show. I uh, just have some Four Roses here. Just regular old Four Roses. The yellow label? Oh, yeah. Solid, solid, solid choice. Yeah. I've got some Jefferson's small batch right now. Mass- Brian, you're a Jefferson's guy, I think. It- you know, it's it's something that I like, so I always have it. And I went upstairs and I was like, eh, not feeling the Weller tonight, not feeling the Sazerac. So I went with this. So I got something special. Uh, for it's a, it's a barrel pick from a group that I'm in. But it is Jepson's 
bourbon. It's out of Chicago, Illinois. Does anybody know what Jepson's also makes? Malort. Bam! And if you haven't had Malort and you're listening to this podcast, it's one of the most delicious drinks you'll ever have. Very good. It's it will change your mind uh, about really anything. It might break your brain. Uh, it's so good. Have you had Malort, Brian? No, but it sounds like is it the second coming of absinthe or what? no? It's not it's, like a drug. It's really fantastic stuff. It's really okay. good. It's just it's hard to describe, but it's delicious. So if you can get your hands on some, whether it's at the local liquor store, if you have to order it online, just what to is, give you is an idea, it? Bourbon or is it no? It's was, a, the it's way a, it was described to me when I had it. Um, I'm not sure if he's a listener to this, but our guy Gregor uh, Shields <laughs> oh, bought me a shot of this in Chicago a long time ago. He basically described it as, you know, the, um, the rubber pads that bars have under taps and where they're pouring shots and things like that. Um, he basically described it as imagine at the end of the night, they just dump that into a shot glass and you drink it. It's just a combination of, everything sounds gross and it has it has not been disproven to this point that that's not what it is well but that shot that that mat would have like some sweetness in it like it would have some juice that's true that's true so is this something you sh- you shoot it you sip it you shoot it <laughs> <laughs> it's a box it's a brand of bosque liquor Introduced in the 1930s and long produced by Chicago's Carlson Carl Jepson Company. Um, so Matt kind of spoiled it. it I was hoping somebody was going to order a bottle of Malort and then get it and be like, what? You know what we should do? The, the winner of oh, ho, 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 ho. the next golf pool. Yes. That, that should be the prize. Yes. And Sounds like it's something the loser should get. Well, that too. Yeah, well, that's that's fair. It's awful. Yes. Like <laughs> that's it's like putting it kindly. It is horrific. It's stuff. like jet fuel <laughs> with like a little bit of burnt cat. Like <laughs> so is it worse? I think the worst shot I've ever had is It's worse. It's worse. Four, four horsemen. <laughs> Oh no, God! It's so much worse. <laughs> it's so much worse. Four Horsemen's like kind of good, but it's just going to kill you. Yeah, like make you throw up, yeah. like it did me on my twenty-first birthday. Jepson, you just—it makes you want to jump into the river and just like not come up. <laughs> it's <laughs> so bad. And okay, and why am I not surprised that Gregor Shields is the person that introduced you to this? I'm a one and done guy. I've done one, that's, and you know that's that's it. That's the, I feel like I've only done one too. I've heard on this podcast, but I would do it again because, like, what was that, Matt? Eight years ago? Uh, oh, it was. Uh, yeah, we were up there. It was we were up there for some Xavier DePaul game. You know, yeah, at the old at the is, old facility. Wait, is is was Sox involved in this with no, as well? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I don't think he was. I was. I were, you were there. Yeah, that's oh right. yeah, you were there. Yeah. That's oh right. yeah. My is brother was there too. My brother was there. I forget. And Scott. Scott. Spitz. Spitz. Yeah, yeah, Spitz was there. Yeah, we all did it. And then we all just kicked Gregor out of the group for the rest of the night. <laughs> it was like, we didn't know. Yeah. And we were like, like, 
it's not like the thing is that it's not like a it's not like a vomit. It does, it's not like it doesn't make you want to throw up. Oh, I think I did. <laughs> I think it just like it sticks <laughs> to your mouth, and you keep tasting it for like thirty minutes. And like when I say yeah. like. Your it's night like, is ruined. Your it's night's like done. Octane and like burnt hair. And like imagine like the worst things that you can smell oh or taste. And that's God. what it tastes like. It's but it's like a thing. Like they sell that in Chicago just to fuck with people, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody uh, buys it because like, oh, this stuff's good. Uh, you know uh, who would you know who would like it? You know who would, uh, who listens to this podcast who would like it? Be like, oh yeah, this is good. DPT. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he probably does. He lived in Chicago for a couple years. I guarantee he listens to this and says, oh, yeah, this stuff's great. It's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, shout out to DPT as we uh, get off off course a little bit. But He's still on brand, though. Shout out, very on brand. Shout out to the, the Jepson folks the makers of malort uh you know keep keep it up I mean, they oh, they sell like you know like 500 bottles a year probably uh because they can't be going through it but okay so uh let's get into well let's talk a little bit about xavier um as i said sean miller's here travis Steele's not um I think one of the biggest issues that we talked about ad nauseum on this podcast was the lack of development from players with Travis Steele. And it seemed like he could really recruit. It seemed like he was getting guys that were highly rated, that were other schools were after. And then once they got here, they just kind of stopped um, developing and examples of that would be you know sorry hold on sorry to interrupt no no. but i was just looking up malort and um (laughs) i like i'm here for this (laughs) the the slogans um i I clicked on an article it said 19 things you need to know about the north malort and uh it has fan slogans um just a few uh (laughs) malort what soap washes its mouth out with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Malort, the authentic taste of social distancing. Um, (laughs) Malort, these pants are going to shit themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Drink Malort, it's easier than telling people you have nothing to live for. (laughs) There you go. Sorry to interrupt. Back to Xavier. That was great. Uh, that was a worthy interruption. Um, but I think there's the, the interesting thing about the Travis Steele era was that there's still guys on the roster that were in that, what I would call kind of a spin cycle of development where they just, they came in, they got a little bit better and then they just never got better, better. I think Colby Jones was kind of trying to break out of that. Um, I think Zach Fremantle is a perfect example of it. I think Kiki Tandy is a player that kind of regressed, but also, you know, we don't know what goes on practice. We don't know. We, we have zero insight um, other than Matt breaking news about Sean Miller. So 
Now, Sean Miller's back. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that Matt could not be happier. Uh, if you thought, If you thought that Matt loved Marvin Lewis, that's like puppy love compared to his feelings for Sean Miller. Andy Dalton. Puppy love. And yeah. Marvin Lewis combined the love of those two still less than his love of Sean Miller by yeah. quite a bit. Quite a bit. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> so, so, so Matt, then let's talk about uh, the Xavier era. Well, the Xavier basketball program with Sean back at the helm. What, well, I mean, it's, it's huge. Um, I don't know. You know, obviously, no idea what's going to happen, but I think it's a Xavier in a day or in a span of a week went from having what I think was probably the second worst coach in the conference to having now with Jay Wright retiring. You could really make an argument the best, probably the second best coach, right? One or two in the conference now uh, with Jay right out. Um, Who's one? The only person that I would maybe put up there and I'm really even hesitant is I think you can make an argument for Doug McDermott with what he's done, talent acquisition and just building that program. But I think I would put Sean Miller ahead of him. Terrible tournament uh, coach. That doesn't Doug that McDermott play Butler, in the too. NBA. Well, Thad Mata is nowhere close to the coach that Sean Miller is. Uh, just doesn't Doug McDermott play in the NBA or whatever? You're talking about Greg, Greg McDermott. Greg. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Sean, you you think you are already have the best coach in the conference. Uh, clearly, the best coach. If you can't even remember the other guy's name, in my opinion, but I, and I'll just leave it there. That's fine. I'm ignoring you because um, you've never made a mistake speaking before. Um, it's getting spicy. But my the thing I'm most excited for is Xavier finally will have the toughness back that I have been preaching and asking for for the last four years. They've been a bunch of just pussies for the last four years. And it might not happen overnight. It might not happen this year, but you're going to see a different attitude, a different team, and quite frankly, one that is just needed, a new attitude. And I, I, I don't really care about the recruiting. I, the thing that just bothered me the most about the Travis Steele era was just the attitude, the, the way they played. It was just pathetic. Nonchalant. Like, they had no care. They had no aggression. It was embarrassing. I There were games, you know, sitting in the stands, or, you know, the three of us, you know, sitting at, right next to each other. I'm just like, what What are we watching? This would have never happened, you know, six years ago with Chris Mack or 12 years ago with Sean Miller. I mean, teams came into Centos Center and just punked them. Mm-hmm. And that never happened, even when we had inferior talent. It, they always fought. They always played to the end, and the opponent knew that they were going to get on ninety-five percent of the nights at least a fight from the team they were playing. And there was way too many nights where Xavier did not show up to play, and and 
they were the better team, top to bottom, talent wise, and laid so many eggs that I just don't see that happening uh, with Miller as a coach. He's still a hell of a coach. I mean, what he did in Arizona, yeah, they never got to a Final Four, but he recruited the hell of it. You know, I guess you could question some of the legality behind it from the NCA's perspective, but nothing's ever been proven, but he probably did it. Tactics. Um, but that notwithstanding, you know, the guy made, what, three straight Elite Eights, two other Sweet Sixteens at least um, in his time out there. He just never made it to a Final Four. That, to me, like, that's not a red flag. That's just – he's a hell of a coach. And Lots of have, NBA talent. You have a guy who – I mean, they made the biggest hire of the offseason, uh, unless I'm forgetting one of the big uh, – one of the biggest hires of the offseason. The best name available in terms of free agent coaches decided to come to Xavier. And, yeah, granted, he has the connection. But, like, it's a huge win for X, I think. Um, from a name recognition standpoint, from a brand recognition standpoint this year, they're going to get talked about a lot because Miller's back on the sideline given all he's going through from, you know, legal standpoint and all that other stuff at the NCA, um, they're going to be talked about, which is, hey, there's no, no press is bad or bad press is even whatever that saying is, right? Like being talked about <laughs> is good for the brand. And mm-hmm. it, I, I am, I'm pumped. I, I think it's going to be a home run. Again, it may not happen this year, but you can already see the, the fruits of it and what he's doing on the recruiting chair, just the names that, you know, are, are garnering significant interest from, from X and that have interest to X. So, you know, it, it's going to be fun. Um, and I think we're going to be in for a, for a sustained amount of success, kind of like we were used to, maybe not to those levels that they were in, in the A-10, but I don't see a reason that Xavier cannot become a dominant program in the Big East, especially with the changes that are going on at Villanova. I, I really don't. Yeah, you just need the big. right guy to come in and and set the identity for the program. He already knows what that should be, because um, he did it at Arizona too. I mean, they were they were the program of the entire West Coast, and them and Gonzaga, right, for the last ten years until UCLA got good. Somehow under Mick Cronin. So, like, <laughs> I was going to say, I, and I, I, under your I'm boy. the person that would least like to admit, it, I was going to say, until UCLA hired Mick Cronin, which, again, don't know how that happened. But yeah, I, I mean, the I, thing that's interesting about, about it is looking at, like, uh, you know, the, the little things you see, see with Miller versus what Steele did. And it just seemed like, okay, Steele knew how to recruit, but he didn't necessarily know how to run a program. Game day was always obviously not what we wanted it to be. As the season went on, they got worse. So it makes you wonder, all right, are you practicing the right way? Are you getting your guys in the right shape the right way? And if you – I don't know if you guys have seen those things on Instagram where it goes through, like, the player transformations in the summer offseason. But, like, I, I haven't seen all of them. But I, I saw Kiki dropped 20 pounds and, like, five percent body fat desmond claude added like both the freshmen added like 10 or 12 pounds and dropped body fat it's like i don't to matt's point i think they will be the toughest team on the floor in with miller as the head coach with Steele, they were not and 
I don't know why that changed from when Mac was here. Do you guys think that this is a completely off the cuff question, but you're talking about toughness and strength. Do you guys think that a, a strength and conditioning coach takes their directive? I don't know how the hierarchy works. Do you think they take their directive from the basketball coach as far yes. as like, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, the basketball coach makes the hire, right? So, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I think they have a specific basketball, like strength and conditioning guy. So like, to your point, maybe under steel, he was like, oh, I want more flexibility. I like to me, I think obviously looking at my physique, not a strength and conditioning guy, but don't sell yourself short. I, I think that I picture every strength and conditioning coach the same. Eat metal, lift weights. You suck. Do it better. Do it more. If you do 10, give me 15. You know, I mean, like, that's what I picture. And I know that in reality, that's not completely true. Some have to be better than others. But I how, think... could, how could – my question is, how could the gap be that big? And you're telling me it's probably because of the head coach. I think it's so, the head coach yeah. knows what he's looking for, and I don't think Travis Steele knew what he was looking for. Travis Steele brought in some strength coach that was like an assistant strength coach on the Orlando Magic, and it's like, okay, this guy has NBA experience, but like not in a winning program. Like I think it, probably NBA players getting them ready is a little bit different than Division One college basketball. Like you don't see – I mean, the um, Orlando Magic had like Penny Hardaway and Shaq. Like they went to the NBA Finals with Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott. Like, I think that to just uh, not a winning program. Like, I don't know where you're coming from on that. But well, you know, it's kind of like the Reds won the World Series in 1975 <laughs> and 76 and 1990. Okay, but I just think there's, uh, you know, like depending on how you're lifting, you develop different flexibility, different strength, and um. Obviously, whatever steals people were doing was was not the right thing because it it yeah. it was so frustrating. How many games were we sitting in Cintas? Like, literally, if they could just grab a rebound, this game would be over, and they yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. So, like, just to give you an idea, like, and I'm sure you guys know or the name, but their new strength coach that Miller brought in, he was with Mac for a couple years, but before that. He was at Mac at Louisville. Before that, he was under Huggins for 10 years at West Virginia. So, like, those are the type of guys that he's <laughs> getting into shape for to play basketball. And you know exactly what I'm saying when I say that because of the head coach. Like, they're going to yeah. be tough. They're going to be just badasses. On the, and they're going to show up intimidating people, which is what Xavier used to do. Um. And when they had, you know, the Tyreek Joneses and the Jalen Reynolds of the world. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm excited. On a, about on a personal note, the new strength and conditioning coach went to my grade school in Mason, St. Susanna. He had twin siblings that were in my grade. And one of them, well, we, I was friends with them. So like, I used to, you know, have sleepovers at their house. So 
Wow. Me and Andy. You got, tight. You've got, you've got all the connections. I mean, <laughs> PDJ. Now we've got maybe our second Xavier connection. St. Susanna is just a breeding ground for success, other than myself. But I, if I reached out to, or if I ran into him, he would know who I was once I told him who I was, but he would not be like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's a fact. So, yeah, in other words, he will not be appearing on this podcast anytime soon based on the fact that I used to have sleepovers at their family house. <laughs> well, I mean, for him to appear on this podcast soon, we'd have to podcast more than once every seven months. So. That's true, too. So he's probably been trying to get on. <laughs> he very well could have been. And then we just haven't, you know, been doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think we've all kind of talked a little bit about that. It, it seems like the, the arrow's pointing majorly, majorly up. Um, but I'm excited to see what it looks like, to your guys' point about toughness and and development. And the word from our guy Rick is Big Frosty may not look like Big Frosty or Big Softy may not look like big softy anymore he may be a little tougher um maybe it'll be a james far-esque transformation maybe he's closing in on nice. 1500 points this year as someone once predicted and we'll <laughs> need that fifth year of eligibility probably to get there because of injury many, last year how many does he have to score per game this year to reach 1500 30 he's probably at like 900 um well, hold on. Somebody look that up for me, or somebody talk so while I look. If it it's nine hundred, he's only got to he's only got to get twenty a game. Um, I mean, I say only. He's not going to get twenty a game, but no, he's not. But if he played for a fifth year, which people are saying that's probably not going to happen. Um. So. He averaged. He has a ten point seven points per game in eighty three games. So, so close to nine hundred. Yeah. Bam! I'm Let's like see. all over that. So, um, no, I'm interested to see what they do this year, how they look. I'm also very interested to see Cam Craft shoot. Uh, I mean, that was another thing with the development of the Travis Steele era was the lack of shooting and Xavier having a team that can shoot and they'll space the floor, which creates lanes for the, hopefully the one or two guys on the team that aren't great at shooting, or if they're all great at shooting, they can still drive because there's so many lanes because they're all so good at shooting. Uh, I'm the thing I'm most excited about is to go to games and hopefully only be disgusted one or two times. Not be disgusted every single night that I go down to Simplus Center. It's fair. It's a fair outlook. Um, all right. Well, then let's get to some. Ask Sip anything. Ask mailbag, mailbag yeah. questions. The mailbag. The mailbag. They came up with some stuff. That I'm going to leave out. Uh, <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> but uh, there were some inappropriate questions being asked. Let's just. Yeah, call a spade, a spade. Some again. very, some very sophomore questions, if you ask me. 
<laughs> here's here's a good one. Uh, this is from Deer Park Tim, or or uh, if this was a radio show, they would say Tim in Deer Park, but Tim in Deer Park would be TDP, which isn't that doesn't work. It's DPT. Tim and Tim and Deer Park also sounds like much classier than. <laughs> That's that's true too, which we don't want to go that direction. Yeah, who's the one player that you are looking forward to watching on your fall teams? College football, NFL, and he has college basketball in here. Which, uh, hey, hey, dear Park Tim, that's not a fall team, but we'll include it because you are uh, apparently a loyal listener. Matt, well, actually, Brian, go ahead first because Matt, your connection's good now. You have we haven't lost in a while, so we'll switch up the. Order. All right, uh, college football. So I am a Bearcat alum, which makes me a Bearcat football fan, which really gives me the best of both worlds in college sports in the city of Cincinnati. But the person I'm most interested in watching is whoever they declare the starter in the quarterback competition. So it's between Ben Bryant and Evan Prater. I Ben Bryant was at UC for three years and transferred to like Eastern Michigan, I think. Started last year. Evan Prater is from Wyoming High School in Cincinnati. So what I hope they do is I hope Prater starts because I think he's the more electric uh, quarterback, which would be more fun to watch. But Knowing that their first game is at Arkansas, I have a hard time believing that Ben Bryant won't be starting that game, but we'll see. But th- that's what I'm interested in college football. Quickly, shout out to we have a listener in Boston, Massachusetts named Ben Bryant, uh, who was tuning into, if you remember years back when the Cincinnati Bearcats traveled to Columbus to play the Buckeyes, Ben Bryant got a little bit of a cameo in that game. I think the game may have gotten a little bit out of hand. And uh, Ben Bryant texted myself and another friend locally saying, hey, I have a new local favorite. Um, so shout out to Ben Bryant and well, Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant, the original Ben Bryant, because he's older. Yeah, he's older. May become a big Bearcats fan this year then. True, that's true. Okay. Um, NFL, uh, honestly, probably, I mean, you know, you're always interested in Joe Burrow, but if you take Joe Burrow away, um, probably I'm interested to see what T Higgins does another year with Jamar Chase out there. Like I think T Higgins doesn't get as, as much credit as he deserves. I think he's, uh, one of the best receivers in the NFL. It just so happens that Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in the NFL. Um, so he kind of plays second fiddle. So I'll say T Higgins and then uh, college basketball. I'm with you socks. I, I really am excited to watch Cam craft, see what he can bring Boom. with, with the caveat or with the asterisk that I also would love to see what happens if Kiki Tandy actually gets some playing time. Yeah. Good answers. Matt, what you got? Um, for college football, so I'm being an Ohio State fan. Um, 
I think I'm going to go with Jackson Smith and Jigba. First, I love his name. Good player. Second, what he did in the Rose Bowl last year was unbelievable. Obviously, C.J. Stroud is a stud at quarterback, but I think Jackson Smith and Jigma has a chance to be probably the best wide receiver in the country this year. Um, just makes unbelievable catches, and, you know, Ohio State's kind of turned into wide receiver university, it almost seems like, here in the last seven or eight years. Um at least on the college level, I should say. They've yeah. had a couple of successes in the NFL with Michael Thomas and um, McLaren at uh, the Commanders and a couple others. But um, Brian Hartline. Yeah, Hartline uh, being the coach. I mean, San Antonio Holmes had a pretty good run there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, a I while think, ago. I think he's going to be interesting to watch, and he's one of a couple guys on Ohio State's roster who – have a chance to get in that Heisman. Not the uh, butt in, but he seems like a guy that would be very uh, eligible for a new nickname, such as like JSI, something a little easier to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Mini OBJ. Uh, the Bengals, I am going to go with uh, – I mean, he's not my favorite player, but I think it's going to be interesting to see the – trajectory of one Mr. Evan McPherson um, as he heads into into year two. Um, I mean, he obviously got all the accolades, deservedly so, um, last year as a rookie. Can you you duplicate the success uh, in your sophomore season out there? I mean, he was a huge part, and off the top of my head, he won, what, Six games, I think, for him uh, on last second kicks. A couple of them from pretty good distance. Um, six might be too high, maybe five. But uh, two playoff I mean, games, two the Minnesota playoff games, game, the opener, yeah, uh, the Kansas City game, which was from the goal line, yeah. and then the and Jacksonville game is yeah, five, five, yeah, and there might be another one in there. I don't. I don't know, but the division um, games were all blow out, but yeah. But I think that's just interesting to me to see how he kind of bounces, not bounces back, but builds on the success that he had in year one. He's obviously a phenomenal weapon and somebody, if you're comfortable running out from 60 yards, um, that's a huge advantage to have, especially when you're in close games uh, to feel comfortable, maybe not 60, but you get my point. So, um, you know, hopefully he can continue the success he had last year. Um, so that's someone just off the board uh, a little bit from that perspective. Absolutely. Uh, and from a Xavier perspective, I got to go with Colby Jones. Uh, I think it's going to be super interesting to see what year three has for him in a new system. Uh, going back to my previous point with Xavier, it just never seemed like he developed the killer instinct that he needs to be a next level player. And maybe that's coaching. Maybe that's personality. I don't know, but I think if there's somebody to get that out of him. It's going to be Sean Miller and the staff. So I'm really interested to see if he can develop the, I'm the best player on the floor. Give me the ball, get out of my way. Cause he can get to the room against anybody. Um, but it just, 
doesn't he never he hasn't seemed to want to do that the last two years. Um, he started to do it more in that NIT run, so I'm interested to see if he can kind of build on that going into year three. I mean, there's talk of him somehow being a potential first round pick going into twenty going into the draft yeah. um, next year. I see it, but I feel like the killer instinct has to be there along with developing a little bit more of a consistent jump shot. So for sure on the jump shot. Um, I mean, you, you could be a, a Najee Marshall was a ball dominant player with a questionable jump shot at X that now is a rotational piece for the yeah. Pelicans it still has a questionable jump shot, but was ball dominant and played great defense. So, like, it, it's a path to the NBA that Colby Jones should look at and say, okay, he was ball dominant. If I can be a better shooter, then I'm there. I'm good. Yeah. And I think I'd say Colby's a better probably creator and sharer of the basketball than Najee. Yeah. Um, I'd say – yeah, but the one thing I'd say is Najee is, uh, in my opinion, a significantly better defender. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I, my three would be uh, for the for the college football. I'm a. It, this is good because we have diversity with college football. I'm a I'm a Michigan fan, but I'm going to go with. Hey, let's just socks. Let's just point out one last time, since I don't think we pointed out before on this podcast last year. This podcast is representing two college football playoff yeah. participants, two. Uh, and that would be socks and I. Yeah, sorry, Matt. Uh, Better luck this year. Fifty percent oh. of the field. Very happy for you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm interested. That in no way bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's annoying that it doesn't bother you. Uh, I'd say I'm interested in the quarterback situation in Michigan with uh, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy's a five-star sophomore now. McNamara was a steady hand that led him to uh, the the CFP last year and was far from spectacular, but got the job done. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think Kind of like what you were talking about, Brian, in, in the, the quarterback battle. It'll be interesting to see what UC does because they. it doesn't sound like they have a definitive answer yet. And I think Michigan's in the same boat. And I think you're going to see, especially in the early slate for Michigan, you're going to see a lot of both. Mm-hmm. UC's in a different situation where when they start at Arkansas, that's a pretty tough game early. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. Michigan's got a lot of cupcakes on that early season schedule. Yeah, it'll be good for them. A lot of cupcakes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I that's think a uh, Hawaii tilt in week two is going to be something. You know, I mean, we can't all play Notre Dame, and then Notre <laughs> Dame ends up beating no one else the rest of the year. And then Notre Dame gets in the CFP. But – uh so, and then NFL-wise, I would say I'm leaning – I have two, but, like, I'm going to say Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he's got to replicate what he did last year. He's got to yeah. be a menace. And I've heard the the beat writers say he's just been an absolute wrecking ball. So, 
points in the right direction. That's huge for the Bengals' defense to have that guy that – because Sam Hubbard is so good at defending the run and getting to the quarterback when he needs to, but Trey Henderson is on the quarterback each time. And it should be noted for anyone that, you know, likes to point out Bengal uh, bad moves in the past in free agency. When they made that signing, a lot of people were like, this is a terrible move. This guy, blah, 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 blah. And last year that move was... Worked out pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, it was money. Uh, college basketball-wise, I would say I definitely... Uh, the ninth year of basketball for Paul Scruggs. Like, really looking forward to what he's going to do this year. I don't know what he's doing this year. <clears throat> Rehab. He's rehabbing. Oh, that's right. He did get hurt. Uh, okay. Well, my he bad. That was <laughs> distasteful <laughs> joke <laughs> on this podcast, which never happens. Uh, well, I guess he won't be suiting up this year. So then I'll you say. You know what? I, th- I think that calls for a shot of uh... – Whatever the hell you were talking Malort. about earlier. Malort. If I had Malort, I would be drinking Malort. Obviously. If you had Malort, you probably would have deserved a shot for that comment. <laughs> uh, I'll say everyone is intriguing, but because it's low-hanging fruit, I'll say Zach Fremantle. Big Frosty, big Softy. He's got to be – he's one or the other. So let's see what he is this year. Is he – the guy that came on Gangbusters as a freshman, or is he the guy that wasn't very good? Now, last year he was injured, but sophomore year he was also kind of soft. Uh, so kind of always sophomore year he was hey, kind of soft. Junior now, year, let's he not was get into the argument soft. of oh, he led the Big East in rebounding. Yeah, he was still soft. He did. He did, but he was still soft. But. Okay. Also, big softy makes me think of big swirly, and that or big uh, frosty makes me think of big swirly, which makes me think of big softy. So, like, they're one and the same to me. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> some All expert right. analysis right there. Shout out! <laughs> By the time you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening on the first day that's dropped, it's going to be Brian Chase's birthday. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I hope your birthday brings you many more blessings this year. <laughs> you and I both. I don't. I don't know that it can get much worse than last year's, but yes, for sure. Um, all right, l- looking through these questions from listeners. Um, this one's for the uh, Matt would call recruiting nerds. Assuming that Ducharme picks X. Who ends up at the best as the best player at X? Cam Craft, Claude Desmond, uh, Trey Green, or Reed Ducharme? Desmond Claude, I believe, is what you're looking for there. That's what I said. You said Claude Desmond, but that's all right. Uh, yeah, I did. Well, good thing Matt's never said anything wrong either. So. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Return the favor that was bestowed upon me. I was I was saying it like a legal thing, like Claude comma Desmond. I didn't say any others like that because I didn't want to. I'm going Cam Craft. And he's just like 
the epitome of a player that I would hate if they didn't play for Xavier. So I'm assuming he's going to be good. I'm going Trey Green. I think it's going to be two Holloway, 2.0. That'll be nice. I think those are both great choices. I'm going to side with – I'm going to go with Cam Kraft because I think he's the uh, – I think he's got that just killer instinct. Like it seems like he just can fill it up. Uh, and I don't think there's ever been really a, made, a comparison made between him and JP other than the fact that they're Caucasian. Kraft's supposed to be a better shooter, but I think that, like Matt said, he's going to get under this opponents, which – it's always fun to have on your team. This is a great question. Matt's going to like this one. Uh, who is your favorite obscure red of all time? All of them. <laughs> is, is the correct answer to this question the 2022 Cincinnati Reds roster? <laughs> Buck Farmer. Is that his name? Buck. What's his name? That is Buck, his yeah. name. Buck Farmer. Buck Farmer. The F boys. He's part of the F boys. So the F boys suck. <laughs> he's well. I mean, he is part of the F boys, but he's not a Friedel. Really part of the F boys, yeah. Or Fraley, Fraley, or a Fairchild, Fairchild, yeah. Stuart Fairchild. I don't know if this is going to count for a no name or obscure, but the first name that popped in my head was Eddie Tobinsey. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't know why he was. He was good. He was good. Yeah. I would still say he's obscure because he's not like someone that's like Reds no. Hall of Fame. I don't think. Yeah. Good. Like I could tell you that Eddie Tobinsey, of his career hits, I would bet more went the other way than he pulled. He was like the biggest slap hitter I've yeah. ever seen. All I can tell you is that guy had two things I remember about him. He had the hairiest arms I've ever seen and, <laughs> and his bat he always had the you know the black. the pine on the bottom and black on the halfway yeah. up to yep. the top yeah the other name that came to my head was Hal Morris but Ooh, he's yeah. not really obscure either because he kind of bounced around a little bit but yeah well he's he's our pal Hal yeah. and he's a 310. Like I mean, right. did yeah. Hal Morris? Yeah, yeah. he's he can hit. Good player. He's I good thought player. for sure football guy Matt was going to say Deion Sanders, but there is too much, nothing. too much, too much flash in that guy's game for Matt. There is nothing obscure, no, about Deion Sanders. No, that's true. Well, from baseball perspective, S- still like he's Deion Sanders. Yeah, like I he's mean, a, that's he's, true. He's attention grabbing. And and um, but a very fun red to to enjoy. Yeah. So I think for me, probably the two that come to mind and one of them is obscure. One of them probably can't be considered obscure, but I always think about like the first okay, the first like really good red team I remember was the ninety five Reds, but like pretty much what I remember of that is like Smiley, Brantley, Larkin. Like, those guys aren't obscure. So then the next team is the 99 team. And the two names that come into mind, Scott Williamson, who won Rookie of the Year. Yep. Which, so I don't know if you can say he's 
obscure or not. He wasn't around that long. He got traded, I think, to the Red Sox a couple of years after that. That one's um, interesting because I think that I, we didn't define obscure, but I think it's really interesting because he 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 is forever in the anal anal's in the, uh, yes anal's, anal, anal's anal, yeah I like I felt like dirty, but <laughs> he's in the anal's of baseball, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Matt's yeah. like Matt's looking at us like we're childish, but like that was funny, and it wasn't purposely I don't know funny. I'll I say just... either. I'm just not. <laughs> God, we're killing it on this one. Uh, so I'm gonna give you. What was give hold, you on, a... hold on, hold on. Okay, what was ahead. the second one? Well, okay. I was gonna say I'll give you a third because uh, he's like, okay. Eh. All right. okay. The second one. This is truly, in my opinion, an obscure Reds player on that 99 team. I think he was only here for one year, maybe a couple, but Jeffrey Hammond. Uh, Hammonds. I thought for sure you were going to say Dave Burba. (laughs) No, I did like Dave Burba, but he was a starter for a while, then he was good on the Indians. Opening day starter, yeah. But Jeffrey Hammonds, what I remember about him is they had Greg Vaughn in left field, Mike Cameron in uh, center field. And then I don't – Jeffrey Hammonds was just kind of a plug-and-play guy that was like, uh, you know, in the outfield when they – when one of those guys wasn't starting, but he had a good year. So memory of Jeffrey Hammond is when those teams, they had those cutoff jerseys. Yeah. He looked good in, a, in those cutoff jerseys. Like Dimitri Young – was on that team, did not no. look good in those jerseys. No. Craig Vaughn, like, didn't look good, but he just – I mean, he was intimidating. But, like, that jersey made Jeffrey Hammond look like he was a, an athlete. Yeah. So, uh, that's a really good one. I have – I have an interesting one. Now, if if you don't say one person that I'm thinking of, well, you... I I bet I bet I can pick who who the listener who his would be. So would, let's hear. Did you yours. give a third? Did you give a third because your first one was no? Okay. Do you have a third that's that was kind of fringe? I ha- I have a third that I think probably falls, but I want to hear who yours is. Okay, my first one is he's an obscure red, but not an obscure baseball player. Terry Pendleton. Reds. uh, Atlanta Braves. Third baseman. For those... uh, You remember Terry Pendleton? No, I don't. I do, yeah. Wide open batting stance. He was a Brave. And then he was very briefly a Red. I think. I well he was, um, and then I'm cheating, but I'm gonna do a combo of two players that were acquired, I think, in the same trade with, and I believe it was the Royals that lit lit the freaking franchise on fire after the trade deadline, and then were nothing. Following years, Chris Steins and John Nunley. Wow, Chris Stein is a good one. 
John Nunley is a better one. Chris Steins at least stuck around. John Nunley was like, I remember the name, but I don't remember anything that he did. They both came over, I feel like, and they just lit. Like, it was like, holy cow. These guys next year are going to be just, the Reds are going to be amazing. And then the next year they both sucked. Um, okay, so I actually thought of another one. Okay. But the one I was thinking of was um, Ryan Friel. Which I don't know that he's that obscure. I can't. I would say that he's not because if you were ever a fan favorite, like if you were ever, yeah. if you were True. ever at least twenty percent of the fan base's favorite player for more than a two or three year stretch, you're probably not obscure. Right. Okay. So I think that's a good answer, but I think that it there's there's Actually, two more that I have. One is not – he's like you said, he's not an obscure baseball player, but he maybe is an obscure red because of his time here. I like David these. Wells. Oh, that's a great one. God, that's a good one. And he had to this save. goes uh-huh. – He had to yeah. save. Yeah. And this one goes along with your trade, de- trade deadline moves uh, for – just guys that were supposed to be good and then they didn't really turn into anything. But remember it was either, I, I think it was actually 1999. They traded at the deadline for Juan Guzman from the <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> God, that's a really good one too. This we is going to have a whole podcast about this. This is, uh, we will. This is a good game. This is a really good game. Listener, I'm not sure if it would be sip or if it would be socks and chase solve the world problems, <laughs> but this, as I pointed out with the first one, this is from listener uh, Phil in Louisville. Uh, Louisville, Phil, is it Louisville? Louisville, Louisville? We might have to ask him how to say it. Louisville, Louisville. Well, we could we could ask a former friend of the show, Chris Mack, how they say it. Yeah, oh, wait, true. he didn't work there anymore. Oh yeah, shit. This yeah, this is way too much fun. Yeah, and I agree. This is you and I would just talk about this for. We would just say names and laugh. Totally. I mean, it's freaking fun. Uh, okay, that was really good. Um, this one seems disrespectful, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask it. With you three. Being the three stooges, that's the disrespectful part. Yeah, who are your stooges on the hometown teams? We'll just go Reds and Bengals on this because I don't need to, don't think we need to stooge yeah. any college athletes. Agree. Um, I'll go first on this one, and I think the stooge. Of the Bengals is Clark Harris because he. Oh, you stole my answer. <laughs> <laughs> A, he looks like the dude from Office Space, intentionally, I think. B, he literally talked Evan McPherson 
into watching the Super Bowl halftime show. Evan McPherson's a rookie, and Clark Harris is like, just follow me, dude. We're going to skip class. They didn't go to fucking halftime at the Super Bowl. I mean, that's... It's epic. Like, it's like, there should be a movie made about that. Like, I mean, fuck a 30 for 30. That's like a prison break. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, but you hit the nail on the head with that one. All right. Sorry, I stole yours. Um, So... I will say for the Reds, um, Stooges, <laughs> uh, let's go. I oh, wow, it's Nick Crawl, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the guy that that right. the, the owners just push out and say, "Hey, go tell everybody." He's... He he's the White House press secretary, is what he is. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect, perfect comparison. Just go tell him. We're it's like we're going to do all this stuff, and a lot of people aren't going to like it, but we're not going to explain it. You got to do it. And like, can you imagine this meeting? Like right before, right? Like it's got to be like five minutes before he goes out. Somebody goes. I got it. We're aligning our payroll to our resources. This is fucking brilliant. And like that person had to be like from accounting or for sure. For sure. an accountant. (laughs) Like just wait, this makes perfect sense. They're going to love this. Like, and then just absolutely just gets lambasted as he should have. Like, yeah. uh, So I, you know, it's funny. I never go first. I went first and I stole two good ones. So now you got to think on your feet. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, the Bengals one, it's like, okay, if it's not Clark Harris, who would it be? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, I guess I'll say Drew Sample. I mean, just because, like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, a- all of the Bengals' second round draft picks. In the Zach Taylor era. I mean, I don't know who they picked. Okay, other than T. Higgins. They got T. Higgins right. Yeah. But they picked Drew Sample. They picked Jackson Carmen. And then the the jury's still out on uh, Cam Taylor Britt. But we'll go Drew Sample. Um, And then the Reds. Okay, I don't know if this is Stoogy, but it's just like someone that is extremely frustrating because – when we got on this podcast tonight, I had the Reds on. One of the first plays that I see once we get going is guy on the Phillies hits a double high off the right field wall. Aquino grabs the ball, turns around from the warning track, guns somebody out at home. And then the next inning, he makes a sliding play in right field for the third out. And it's like this guy, I, I mean, I don't know. Is he playing? It seems like he's playing gold glove defense in right field, but he can't hit. A lick. No, I, that's a great one. He's, I thought you were going to say Billy Hamilton at the plate at this point. Oh yeah, he's he's awful. And I thought you were going to say uh, Nick Senzel, which there's some stoogy there too because yeah. like he was like fast and athletic. Then he came back like kind of looking pudgy. Like fast, wait a minute, what happened? Fast, like, yeah, you yeah. got fat, and you're fat and you don't get hurt anymore. Like a, I tried that and I haven't been hurt. 
but I don't do anything like that would get me hurt, like play major league baseball or like run down the line or anything. So, so far it's working for me. I haven't been hurt. Well, I think you should keep it up. But at the same time, like I wouldn't mind being hurt because like the DL in, it doesn't sound bad. Yeah. You get paid. No, you get paid. Um, but Nick Senzel, like that throw. Yeah, that throw inning, bad. Or ninth, like, yeah, that was bad. But Senzel, I don't know. Yeah, he's you know he's frustrating, but it's I don't know. Aquino is just like oh man, and the fact that he was the number two overall pick in the MLB draft. Yeah, right. And we had, but but he's probably not a stooge. He's probably just a. He's, he's probably a, a Chris Steins, like he's, eventually. I, yeah, he's like a average to below average MLB player. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Matt left us because of uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, connectivity issues. If you're if you're listening to this and you are a Parks and Rec fan, and you're getting that reference, it's one of the funniest things to me. Uh, that uh, are you a Parks and Rec guy, Chase? Uh, I'd say I am, but I'm not one that. Not as big as like The Office, but I watched it kind of secondhand because it was on around the time of The Office. I will say my favorite line. Well, do you get the reference? Though, the yes. Okay, when he says, "I put your symptoms into WebMD," and it says you have connectivity <laughs> issues. <laughs> but can we talk about the greatest? In my opinion, the greatest skit in in that show's history was. The when they they were selling they were trying to outlaw the child size sodas because they were called child size because you could literally fit a two year old in, <laughs> in the cup. <laughs> that show, that show, like uh, you say, like you're an office fan, but like you don't have to choose. I they're, know they're different shows, and they're both. Like the thing about the office was, uh, this is great. This is this is socks and chase solve the world's problems. But and actually, <laughs> Phil said that he's driving ten hours to Detroit, so we can go off yeah. for a while. He's he's got time. But the office, Michael Scott is the perfect. Like he's he's the most amazing character. The the surrounding characters in the office are good, not great. Mm-hmm. Parks and Rec. Leslie Nope is an okay character, but Ron Swanson is a five star mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Uh, freaking John Ralphio and Mona Lisa are seven star characters, like out of five. <laughs> um, the the Aziz, wh- who, what's the name of his? Aziz like, Ansarari. Yeah, yeah. His, um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Tommy. His name's Tommy, right? Uh, Let's see. But the the lady that he's friends with, uh, treat yourself. Like, they're all Tom Haverford. Yeah, Yeah, because Tommy Fresh and then Chicky Chicky Parm Parm. Like, all the characters in that show are so strong. All right, I agree with you, but. I I don't think it's fair to say the supporting characters in the office were weak. Were weak. I mean, okay, Dwight was great, but honestly, the best one was Creed. Creed Bratton was incredible. 
So was so was uh, Kevin. So was Oscar, in my opinion. Kevin, they were they were all great, but they didn't have the airtime. Like, yeah, I agree. They were great characters. I mean, Meredith. Was... Yeah, oh, Meredith. <laughs> and Jim's pranks uh, on Dwight were classic. Yeah. Uh, no, it, I'm not knocking. You don't construe now, this as me off I don't knocking watch... the office. I don't watch uh, really like sitcoms anymore at this point, so I don't know if there's just like nothing out there that's as good as what was. But I feel like that was like a golden age. You had Office, you had Parks and Rec, you had uh, Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock was I loved Thirty Rock. I haven't watched Thirty Rock. Oh, I need so to. I've started kind of messing around with the Mindy Project. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, so I haven't watched that, but hey, you, you know what? You're advertising another office character. I know, and she like was it, it rumored that she's part of the brilliance of the office. Because uh, I think she was a writer too. Was she? So, man, we've we've uh, we've kind of run the gamut tonight. We've talked sports. We've talked alcohol. We've talked shows. So, you know, Matt just said he, Matt, we, we lost Matt, but I feel like we should probably, I don't know. We got to get Matt's take on this next time, but we can talk about this right now because we don't know when the next time's going to be. That's, that's true. If, if we remember in 2023 to talk about pillows, <laughs> that's iffy. So I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. All right. Sorry, Matt. Uh, how many pillows are too many pillows when it comes to a couch? This was a, something that came up on the grouper today. I don't even think it's just a couch. It's like just oh, in it's your a bed house. too. Yeah, it's yeah. the couch, the bed, the the windowsill seat, the chair that yeah. literally just fits a person. Mm-hmm. But then you put a pillow in it. Now it no longer fits a person. Nope. But it's not there for a person to sit in. It's there to look <laughs> nice. For for who? To see. A person? It's <laughs> a good question. A person that know. comes to your house that needs a place to sit that's going <laughs> to look at said chair and then have nowhere to sit. Wait, am I, am I adding this up correctly? I believe you are, but we are just men. We don't we know. Sometimes use logic, and <laughs> but it's man logic. Yes, which is bad logic. But apparently. I mean, the answer to your question of how many pillows is too many pillows? I believe the correct answer, based on my experience. Uh, is falls in line uh, with an answer from the movie Mean Girls, and that is the limit does not exist. Okay. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you got my reference, but no, no, I I did. I, I'm speechless. Oh, <laughs> because I thought. You were gonna put a number. You 
You didn't think that I was going to tie Pillows and the movie Mean Girls together. Nope. But I did. Um, I'm going to say four. Well, okay. My answer, the limit does not exist, is, is I think, the female perspective. But no, I mean, like, the, the I don't but, think there's a, I'm not criticizing your answer. No, but th- that's that's the perceived answer in my in my experience. Um, but I I tend to agree with you. It's it's certainly in the single digits. I'll say. But like, that. well, I said four. I just threw out a number. Literally, I just didn't even think about it. Uh, which I do that a lot. But so, how many? Let me ask you this: How many pillows did you have to your name before you were married? I had two. But are we talking about had, you're talking about your bed, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's couch, but you just had two. I had I didn't have throw pillows, I just had the couch cushions. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. no throw pillows. I agree. I agree. Like I didn't need pillows for anything else. And now I'd have I two have probably. Out, I have pillows out the wazoo. You know, I think that it, there's things that happen in marriages that we don't know about. And there's things that obviously happen in design that we know nothing about. But I think that there's like a currency of pillows that we're all rich. We just don't know about it. <laughs> that yeah. these pillows all hold very significant value from a monetary standpoint and when it comes time for us to you know retire buy a vacation home or something the pillow money is gonna just (laughs) we're gonna be we're gonna be like thank you i hope you're right i'm just worried that pillows are are the uh you know the latest millennial commodity and uh, everybody's got them and nobody's going to want them. I can't see any other reason why they would be buying so many of them. (laughs) They have to be worth more than I understand. Uh, Well, it's like Bitcoin. Something something else I don't understand. It's blockchain. It's yeah. Oh my God. We we need Casey on here. Maybe (laughs) Casey can explain this. Possibly. He was asleep probably when the whole discussion. I mean, when this started, yeah, he was not awake. It was after 5 p.m., 5.30. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we probably have got off the rails enough. Uh, I think we've gotten Phil to at least Dayton. So, yeah. We can't win them all. But we well, no, not from Louisville to Dayton. Oh, true. <laughs> we've got him almost to Cincinnati. Yeah. Yes. Or if he's going yeah. through Indy, we've got him close to Indy, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how you drive from Louisville to Detroit. I, mean, I think you'd go through Cincinnati, but. Yeah, probably. You know, it's hard to figure these things out with GPS and shit yeah. on our phones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it up to him to figure that out. Yeah. But uh, he can tell us. All right. Well, that's all I got. Do you have any parting thoughts about the Bengals, the Reds? The Musketeers. 
Or FC Cincinnati. No, I think uh, we should uh, get back together in, um, I don't know, maybe two weeks. Right after the Bengals opener, maybe. And uh, other than that, like, I'm ready to end the podcast. Yep. I agree. Two weeks. Yeah, right. Two weeks. Let's see. And let's end the podcast.